0: The following pre recorded program is brought to you by Wrestling with the Inner Man. Welcome to Wrestling with the Inner Man, because the first fight we face each and every day is a fight with our flesh. Do we listen to our selfish, sinful nature or to divine nature guided by the Holy Spirit? Your host, David Savage, is a product of the West Texas Desert and Energy Industry who recently received the biggest promotion of his life, reporting directly to the top boss. God. Most people refer to this as retirement today. Co-host pastor and evangelist Aaron David Thomas is a bi vocational pastor and a marketing manager hewn from the tough streets of Philadelphia. We hope you're ready to rumble because wrestling with the inner man begins now.
1: Good evening, WWM listeners, and as always, thank you for stepping into the ring with us. This is our first show of February, and we're having some news that maybe uh, Omicron's going to drop off drastically, and we can put all this pandemic nonsense behind us, so I'm excited about that. But I was driving in my car the other day, and I was listening to the Bluesville channel on XM Radio, and I heard a classic song from the 60s titled, Just Drop In. To see what condition my condition was in. You know that song. It's a groovy song. And as I carefully listened to the lyric, I thought, man, this sure could apply to all of us as we evaluate the impact of two years in a pandemic. So listen to this verse. These are the lyrics. I pushed my soul into a deep, dark hole, and then I followed it in. I watched myself crawling out as I was crawling in. I got up so tight I couldn't unwind. I saw so much I broke my mind. I just dropped in to see what condition my condition was in. So that's what we're doing. We're trying to check on our condition. So we have another esteemed guest on the show today to discuss our condition, or more specifically, the current condition of the church and its pastors. So today, my guest is my good friend and Salem account executive, Pastor Brian Rungi. Welcome to the show. Why don't you uh, tell our listeners about yourself and what you do at Salem Media, Brian?
2: Well, thanks, David. And I always enjoy our conversations together. And I'm the director of ministry relations here at 100.7 FM. And basically what I do most of the time is seek out pastors and churches to broadcast with us. So that's, that's the lion's share of my work. Um, I do other things, but basically with that in mind, that kind of sets the stage for what we're doing and talking about today.
1: Yep. And you do uh, discipling, like you've helped me with a number of books that uh, you've recommended, and so I appreciate that. We'll be talking about one of those today. So the the lyrics to our song used to introduce the show are rather dark and most likely fairly accurate, unfortunately, for many people these days. It, It appears that the Christians are wrestling with church attendance. According to the Barna study that you shared with me, one-third of all Christians have stopped attending altogether, both virtually and in person. For millennials, it's worse at 50% or half of all millennials. So here's a quote from a pastor in another Barna article that was uh, in with what you sent me. It says, if we're really looking at a seismic shift in how people do church, my biggest concern is that I feel like this whole season while on one hand giving people incredible access with streaming and all the other ways they could do church. And then on the other hand, it feeds the American individualist spirit where we just curate our own spiritual experiences. We lose something very significant, I think, of what Christ meant for a disciple to be when true community is replaced by virtual pretense. So, Brian, what what can you tell us about what you have learned from churches during the COVID pandemic?
2: Well, first of all, what's interesting, I I spent quite a bit of time yesterday talking with pastors and a a little bit the day before. And what's fascinating to me is it really is a mixed bag as you do it. But generally, um, I'll I'll give you this example. I talked to one of the largest churches I work with yesterday, and they said to me that COVID, and they've done a lot of lockdowns as a fairly large church, has really damaged their ministry. Um, Basically, they said at various times, um, they've had as few as 20% of their people Mm. in church when they were worshiping. Now, they've done a lot of streaming, you know, done the media thing, but what they're concerned about is the media thing doesn't produce the connection that they need for genuine ministry. And so at the end of my discussion with him, he said, you know, you can pray for us. Put us on your station prayer list, because the reality is we've lost a lot of people. Um, and, and he said, I'm just just telling you like it is for us. So that was interesting. Then I, I made another call to a friend. That kind of theme goes particularly across churches that I've heard that are bigger and more based on programs. So then I had a pastor friend who serves in a rural Community just north of Houston, um, maybe about a hundred miles north, and basically, so I just called to ask him what he he said. His response was so totally the opposite. He said we have prospered and done well during COVID, but he said our community has not done any lockdowns. Uh, we we've lived pretty much unlike you know the big cities have done. Hmm. We we did a little bit of you know, um, of of worship online, but basically we worshiped in person. He said, where our people have really... In fact, he said this, our giving has gone up during COVID. Wow. Yeah. And then I said, so he had served at a church here in Houston, and then he said to me, "Um, but I can tell you that the landscape is very different in Houston. And I said, well, would you say that you're a more programmatic church or a relationship? And he just, it, I he didn't even have to think. He said, "We're relationship oriented." Um, the biggest thing our people have missed is we have had to cut down some of the dinners, you know, like potlucks that we do around uh, a work you know, a mm-hmm. worship service, and our people miss that. So, what a stark contrast, you know, from we're in trouble in one larger church. To the next one, saying we've done absolutely fine. In fact, we have prospered. Yeah, so that that's that's huge.
1: Twenty percent. That's only one fifth. And then I think, uh, like the churches that I've attended, they struggle with. All right, now that we've begun the streaming, you know, people I may mean, have gotten comfortable hanging around in their pajamas. <laughs> you know, when we cut it off, yeah. to try to get them to come back. You know, in the building, and then you know, that's they don't come back. And again, you know, referring to the Barna study. You know, it went on to say that the unchurched for those who have quit attending bear more emotional burdens as a result because they're not really getting, you know, ministered to you know, increases in in domestic violence, uh, crime in all kinds of categories, addictions and gaming and pornography all reflect this toll on our mm-hmm. society. It, it seems people aren't finding what they need in church today and instead, you know, are are succumbing, you know, to these sinful behaviors now. I know that you deal with many pastors and churches and ministries through your position with Salem. You know what? What are pastors telling you about their churches? You know, in addition to what these uh, these two gentlemen have said.
2: Well, I, I, interesting. I got a great uh, review from a, a pastor here in Houston who has a large pastor network that he works with. And basically, I asked him, "Can you? What, what would you say?" And he said, "Well, there are two operative words that he sees." People struggling with and he thinks that many of the pastors in some of the churches he's working with are struggling on on a higher level I mean, the words that he used were fear and isolation hmm. and then we didn't talk that much about the fear but he did talk about isolation and I think you might you might be able to understand this and agree with this as well just from your experience he, he said pastors are often more isolated from friends and other things because of their calling to be a pastor in other words they often live a little bit separate, but his observation is that isolation for many people and pastors has gotten worse during COVID. And the way he said he sees it manifesting in some churches is that you have a pastor who's leading with a church with faction. You know, part of his church may be on the left, part of his church may be on the right, and what he's trying to do is play the peacemaker, you know, peacemaker in the middle of that and finding that he's in a no-win proposition. Yeah. And I hadn't I hadn't really thought about that before, but I have seen that in some cases where um you just and and his comment was he said I met with a group of pastors the other day and I said, you know, really our calling is to represent God in this, not necessarily always be a peacemaker and and in some cases what happens when you're the peacemaker trying to work with two factions you get shot by both
1: that's true that is true uh, that's like uh i know your son's a police officer when people get called out to domestic violence situations you know and they show up then both the parties you know turn on the on the police is not uncommon at all yeah. it's a it, it's a tough Tight rope for those folks and I've seen it in my church uh, in two churches here that you know I've uh, I ch- recently changed churches par- partly for some of these reasons we're talking about but you know everybody's so divided and it's not necessarily along political lines but about whether you should be vaccinated or not vaccinated and the right of that choice or whether you wear a mask or not wear a mask and when, and so you do you have even even families you know at home, are divided about these things, and so that is a, a rending of of all relationships. You know, when you've got people that are so strongly opinionated on both sides, uh, it's really been what I call you know atomizing us, just just blasting us apart. Um,
2: yeah, no, you're you're absolutely right. It's been, and and our churches are not immune to these these things, and neither are our pastors. And um, but what I, I think is interesting about it that I just wanted to add, I talked to a guy yesterday who said. You know, for him, it's been a really mixed bag. And he said, what I'm really trying to do is to turn uh, the COVID problems into opportunity. He said, for example, we were no longer allowed to worship in, in the public school that we're in. So we had to find another place. So he said, we found another place and it's working just fine. And, and it's actually costing them less money. He also said one of the other things is he was able to start broadcasting on KKHD because we had a spot available. Uh, where we normally would not have a spot. And he said, that's been a a great place for me to get my message out. Um, And then he said, so I've really tried to help my people focus on the opportunities. Now, that's a smaller church. And he did say then the other thing that he has learned is that he's starting to see some of the smaller churches that were really struggling uh, now start to prosper because they have lower infrastructure costs. They're more relationship-oriented. And they're able to adapt, you know, to this environment more easily than some bigger
1: churches. And I think you're onto something there, you know, just being nimble and then having that lower fixed cost structure, because yeah. that's that kind of compels a pastor, no matter how godly he is, he still has to pay the bills and keep the doors open. And so then he can kind of water down his message, you know, uh, or like mm-hmm. you said, just mm-hmm. try to play to the to the middle of the average. Well, you know, this Barna study that you uh, that you sent me also revealed that, that people are looking for three things primarily today, and I don't know if this is just because of the pandemic or in you know, isolation, but prayer and emotional support are one, uh, a Bible-centered message of hope and encouragement was two, and connection and community are three. And I think these big churches, it's hard to get that connection and community when it's all about kind of the show, the the, the marquee <clears throat> person who's delivering the sermons. So what, what are you learning about the churches that, that broadcast with you? You know, is it any <clears throat> different or like these cowboy churches seem to have been on the rise, you know, very simple, very rustic, very mm-hmm, low mm-hmm. cost. You know, are they able to provide these things, like you said, even over the over the airwaves?
2: Uh, first of all you're you're a Three things from the Barna study are right on target. Um, the other the other thing that I've found interesting about the churches that are broadcasting with us, um, I rarely have people quit. Um, every now and then they do because of particular instances, and I have had a couple of people that were going through exactly what we've described that affect their budgets and had to drop off. But what I've learned about the churches that broadcast with us is oftentimes for them, the getting out of the gospel message may be more important even than they're building. And once they've crossed a bridge where they begin to say, you know, we're sharing the gospel on Sunday or in our life groups, and life groups are, um, to me, a really important thing. From I, I hear life the word life groups, cell groups, or some kind of group who are practicing every those three things you just talked about in homes mm-hmm. all the time. And so... I'm looking at it saying, I really believe that the church is moving to get smaller. Um, and I guess what I mean is where we're having more relationship oriented things in homes. And so, and I see, and then the way that echoes in buying digital media or even radio is people think, hey, I need to spend more money on getting out the message than I do on my physical structure.
1: It's a new business model. The church evolves. Society evolves. It makes sense. Uh, You know, you recommended this book to me, uh, Houses That Changed the World, The Return of Mm -hmm. House Churches by Wolfgang Simon. The book was written in 1998. So in modern times, but 24 years ago, the back cover Mm -hmm. has a quote. Millions of I've got this wrong in my throat. Sorry about that. Millions of Christians around the world are becoming aware of an imminent reformation of global proportions within the church, and he's saying this in 1998. God is changing the revered institution and is making a new collective awareness of an age-old revelation, a corporate spiritual echo that reflects God's desire for the church. And then this is this is the one that really grabbed me. It said, "In a world where the church is being ignored, it is time to bring the church to the people." And not the people to the church, so wow, how, how is this theory going over with the big sea church today, and do you think uh, Wolfgang is onto something?
2: I, I think he is onto something. In fact, when you think about 1998, I think it was quite a ways ahead of his time mm-hmm. in, in, in seeing what was happening. But actually, his research, when you read the book, is based on traveling around the world, so he's not just looking at the United States and noticing this happening on a global level. And I, I think he is onto something. Um, one of the th- I have a pastor friend who left one of the largest churches here in Houston, um, not because he was angry, but because he was saying, I'm ineffective with what, what God has called me to do. So he actually started a ministry where basically he does exactly what you're describing. He helps churches to get into their neighborhoods start groups, and he told—one in time he did a radio program with us where he said, after doing that for two years in his neighborhood—although he was pastor of a church that had, oh, I think the attendance was a couple of thousand people—he said, after two years of working in his neighborhood and then on Easter Sunday doing a baptism out of his home, he baptized more people after those two years than he ever had in his church. Wow.
1: That's extraordinary.
2: Yeah, so he, he met these people who weren't Christians. They just had fellowship with their neighbors and lo and behold, many of them started in a Bible study in his home. After doing that for two years, many of them were unchurched, not baptized. So he had a big bapti- Easter baptism thing in his pool.
1: <laughs> wow. I think
2: that's now, isn't that awesome? Yes, of course. Yeah. So and that's just what that's exactly what houses that change the world is talking about.
1: Well, so I'm going to read a little excerpt that I found that really resonated with me. And I think a, a lot of people, this, and this is from Wolfgang's book, his words. Today, we read of many people coming to Christ every day, but we usually do not hear much about the silent exodus, of people slipping out again, almost unnoticed through the back doors of the churches. They were attracted, but not included interested But not integrated into an enveloping fellowship, harvested and cut, but not gathered into the barn, touched but not transformed. They turned to look briefly at the way, then turned away, disappointed with what they saw. What do you believe God is going to do? You know, in the church today, you know, with this, because I think that really does represent. It's it's just the old stodgy structure that's no longer, you know even even it's you know attention deficit you know it's like hey you've got to assimilate these people in quickly or they're going to go move on you know somewhere else
2: yeah you know um we actually talked about this briefly in a staff meeting uh on teams yesterday here at KKHT i think that one thing that we've got to get used to is looking to pe- looking around us to see who's in need and who's hurting and who we can help as christians and and that's a personal thing um because with what we've been talking about, if, if it's really true, which I think it probably is, that one in three Christians has basically dropped church and not going, we've got a lot of people hurting. Now, some people are doing well, like the one guy I described in their prospering, but we need to keep our eyes open for people who are hurting and be willing to change our life to help them. And I think in doing that, our churches need to do the same thing. That's what the early church did that won the Roman Empire during plagues, pandemics, wars, they were there ministering, sharing the gospel, and that, you know, that was illegal to begin with. But as they did that, and some of them, many of them died doing that, um, caring for people in pandemics or, or what have you, they won the hearts of the pagans in the Roman Empire through doing that. Now, there were some problems later. They eventually became a state church, which then created a whole different host of problems. But as far as the church corporately, I think with that kind of activity on on behalf of individual Christians, one of the things that um, Wolfgang says is the church has to become small in order to grow large. In other words, it focuses on fellowship with ten groups of 10 to 15 people um, who really know each other, who then can look out to their neighbors in need. Um, And as they do that, they're less concerned about filling big buildings and more concerned about genuine Christian fellowship and meeting others' needs. I, I, does it, what is that does that make sense to you?
1: Yes. Uh, in fact, you know, I think, and this is why you know I've written this book. This is why we have this show that men have been kind of uh, dropped off in the modern church. You know, th- mm-hmm. th- you know, we're supposed to be the leaders, the spiritual leaders. And it, Wolfgang says, you know, that he, this book is written to family fathers. You know, what would happen if the center of the church were shifted back into the families? Instead of even more seminary-trained professionals molding the church, family and life-trained fathers would move into the center of the action. Then, with their fatherly potential, the church would again become part of everyday life and move away from the Sunday morning Christianity. And that's kind of what I see is that men men are disinterested in church because it's been, you know, feminized. I'm probably going to get some hate mail or something, you know, for saying that out loud. But I think that— men need to step up and lead that's what scripture says i was at the uh, promise keepers conference in dallas and you know there were 30,000 men there and i met people from all over texas and re- really all over the country and almost to a man every one of them said you know the only way we're going to get men's ministry to help with real problems like porn addiction and stuff is uh, you have to do it outside of the church and that mm-hmm. the church was really the the obstacle and it was kind of shocking for me to hear that, you know, from so many different uh, men, you know, saying, hey, you know, we're going to have to do something different. And that's why this book is so appealing to me, because I think when you couple that with the pandemic and the isolation and the atomization of people that, uh, you know, we we have recognized because, you know, it was like a big timeout. You know, a lot of the right. sports we weren't able to go to you know, all the ways that we distracted ourselves made us kind of contemplate a little more about, you know, what was going on. And and, and then you're like, man, I, I kind of really miss having some real friends, you know, a confidant, a relationship. I'm just yeah, holed up in my house, you know, working from home, school from home, everything. And well, we're just about out of time here. Brian, you got any uh, closing thoughts?
2: Yeah, I think you're right, exactly right about um, men taking know leading in their families, because the reality is, think about the Jewish synagogue years ago when it was persecuted, how did it survive? It survived by men leading in their homes around the dinner table when they couldn't even get out for any kind of assembly. And that's exactly what you're describing. We need to, you know, we need to get small in the church and relationship oriented to get bigger to and to to let people know we really care.
1: Well, I just want to say thanks for just dropping in, Brian. And in closing, I'd like to thank our sponsor, ERS, once more i remind you that you can email us at wrestlingwiththeinnerman at gmail.com to offer input, suggestions, provide feedback. You know, you can even send me hate mail if you want to. But uh, And also, this this uh, this song is fantastic. If you want to watch a funny movie, watch The Big Lebowski, and there's this dream sequence that they actually do to this song just dropped in. But let me just close this out with a quick prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, we just thank you for Brian Rungi, for this station, for the ministry, for the airwaves. And for this return that appears to be happening at a organic level, not just in the United States, but everywhere, where we just want to be in community with one another in these house churches, cowboy churches, we don't need all the big, fancy uh, trappings. That's the old way. And we're under the new covenant. And help us just to recognize that, to reach out, as Brian said, to uh, be there for the people that are in need and love people and let that be our light. And we thank you for all that you've done for us. In Christ's name, amen. Amen. Yeah, yeah, oh yeah, what condition,
0: my condition. AM 1070, The Answer, Wrestling with the Inner Man. Thanks for listening to Wrestling with the Inner Man with David Savage and Pastor Aaron Thomas. We believe the winners in this ring courageously follow God's word, love and protect God's woman, Excel at God's work. betters matters God's world and His children. For more information, reach out to David and Pastor Aaron at WrestlingWithTheInnerMan at gmail.com. That's WrestlingWithTheInnerMan at gmail.com. Tune in next time as Wrestling With The Inner Man tackles more tough topics to train up a generation of better men.